Little baby bunting. Daddy's gone a-hunting. Gone to fetch a rabbit skin. To wrap his baby Agnes in. screamings gays and ghouls i'm katie tool and i'm sean reedy this is friday night frights a podcast about merriment mirth and meat hooks merry christmas everybody merry christmas i cannot <laughs> believe it's christmas already i know i mean just last christmas i gave you my heart very next day i gave it away how dare you what was that all about <laughs> no i miss it tonight we are doing Okay, I'm just going to do it. I think that, like, I think that if I just do this little bit, Mm -hmm. that no one is going to sue us. Ready? Okay. Tonight, we're doing Black Christmas. Okay. That's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. It's as far as it's going to go. I will also state, though, that that is absolutely the best Christmas song ever, Point Blank, period. Wow, that's a bold statement. Yeah. I will stay it. I will stay it. Yeah, I'm going to stay it. it. I'm going to state that. I'm going to own it. I'm going to stand by it. I'm going to stand by it. You declared it. Yeah. Even. It is. And of course, we are talking about the original 1974 classic, not the 2006 remake, and definitely not the 2019 remake. I have not even seen the 2019 remake. I did see the 2006 ones, but I don't think I saw the 2019 one. I I have seen the 2006 remake. Mm -hmm. I actually, as a standalone film it is it is through no, and through a dimension a, it's it's a dimension picture through and through oh yeah no i mean it wasn't you know it's an enjoyable film yeah for sure um i have not seen the new one but i just i remember them announcing it and i was like oh, why and then i saw the trailer and i was like oh why i saw yes the trailer for it it looks like fucking it it looks like someone just made a really long episode of a cw series yes that is exactly what it looks like yes. it's like what did you spend your money on? That's exactly what it would be. Or like a freeform show. Yeah. Like, no. 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 Why? Also PG-13. Really? Are you serious? Yes. Wow. Okay. That, once I found out that was the rating, I'm like, this movie is going to be absolute bullshit. Right. Like, yep. I'm sorry. What What even are we going to be doing here? Right. And if you read the reviews on like, it. Is he going like, to just like say mean things to you? Yes. And that's all? <laughs> He's going to, you're going to answer the phone. He's going to be like, you're a butthead. <laughs> your Click. feet smell. <laughs> he's going to like, look at you in the eyes menacingly. <laughs> so as far as he's going to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. If you read the reviews on this, on the, uh, the latest remake. And I know that like, we're of course trash talking this movie like really badly, but like, and I know people worked hard on it. I'm sure. Well. Right. Um, uh, oh yeah. Like I for mean, sure. I mean, it's, you know. Do what you do. But. Right. But this is also, we do also partially review films. So um, <laughs> we do what we do. Right. And. Um, and I know that obviously we cannot speak on it since we have not seen it. However, uh, no, if you from look. From what we've at, seen. From what we've seen. And if you look at the reviews on this movie, there are numerous that say, mind you, the 2006 remake did not get great reviews. Mm-hmm. There are numerous reviews on the 2019 version that makes, that says that the two, it makes the 2019 version makes the 2006 version look like an Oscar winner. Wow. Yeah. That's a strong statement. Yep. Oh. Which makes me intrigued. 
But yeah. Right? Like, I kind of want to watch it. I know, just because I want to see it. We do it as a watch along. Um, yeah, we could. Actually, that is a beautiful segue into just two small Camp Crystal Clear corrections that I have to make. Oh, yes. Oh, we and we haven't done Camp Crystal Clear in a little bit. No, because we just haven't been fucking up. We haven't <laughs> I mean... caught that we're fucking up. Um, so, there it is. <laughs> last week during the Krampus episode, when I was comparing... Um, this version of Krampus with some of the like made for TV versions of Krampus that mm-hmm. we thought that I, well not that I thought were related to this movie and then found out that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said that this was a major studio release starring an Academy award winning actress referring to Tony Collette. Right. Uh, that is incorrect. Oh. Tony Collette has never won an Oscar. Really? She has only been nominated, which is a travesty oh like yeah, let's fix that Im- immediately academy like i should have been correct right like, it just rolled out of my mouth like clearly I mean, tony collette has won an oscar for something right you would think so like i'm I mean, sure that somebody okay she's been an oscar i think she's been in oscar winning movies i think she has and i also get that a lot of her movies are a little bit um off the wall yes right which up until very recently, the Academy didn't really like. Right. Right. But I'm sure somebody out there has a prestige film in their back pocket that they could cast Tony Collette in so that she could get her Oscar. I mean, that needs she to happen. Needs one. My other very small correction is the theatrical poster is called a one sheet. Oh. <laughs> Not a half sheet. <laughs> I was, in fact, referring to baking pants. <laughs> one sheet. Oops. The big... the. Big posters that they have in the light boxes at the movie theater. Right. Called a one sheet. So that's all. Those are Possibly because it's one sheet. It is one sheet. Well, and then, like, so then there are advertisements that are larger mm-hmm. that are, like, whatever that... I, I did see what the measurement was. It was, like, 27 by 40 or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, that are, like, whatever that measurement is times however many. So, like, there could be a three-sheet advertisement. Uh, right or like a 30 sheet billboard oh that makes sense right that's that's sort of where that term comes from okay and it has nothing to do with baking oh <laughs> it does not so anyway those are my those are my two two small um camp crystal clear moments here all right right off the top i don't think that i have any but i'm sure that they'll come up randomly I mean, because who does research post-recording uh, something? Not me. Not I. Um, so, now that we leave Chris- Camp Crystal Clear, right. we get right back into... Camp Crystal Christmas. Camp Crystal Christmas. Sure, why not? <laughs> yes, it is shock till our pud rum bum bum pum <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's shock tale is called the Mary Muller. In the Mary Muller, it is a bottle of red wine. I know Katie used uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, correct? And then um, a quarter cup of sherry, a quarter cup of uh, Cointreau, two tablespoons of honey, and then a blend of spices, specifically cinnamon, ginger, clove, and cardamom. You can also use a packet of mulling spices, and that would do just fine. Yeah, the spices are kind of to your taste. Um, 
there's not really like an exact like I wasn't really measuring them when I was putting them in there um traditionally you use whole spices right um and just like let them simmer in the wine uh I did not have any whole spices and for reasons we won't get into was not really able to go to the store and get them so um I just used the ground spices that I had on hand and it that also worked fine to be honest like I couldn't really like tell the texture when I was drinking it the reason that this is called the Mary Muller is uh because it sounds like a name that the press would give a serial killer that strikes during Christmas the way that the serial killer in our film does this evening and also uh This is more of a, like, um, Scandinavian glog-style mulled wine because it is spiked. You you know, you might have had mulled wine that was just the wine and the spices before. This one, of course, Mm -hmm. is spiked with both uh, Cointreau and the sherry. The reason I put the sherry in there is because Mrs. Mack in the movie the the house mother literally just drinks sherry the whole time black christmas was released on october 11th 1974 which makes no sense <laughs> not at all again again we, opportunity lost we've right? been there we've been there done that i get it but we were a hell of a lot closer than october to christmas right we were two weeks two right. weeks we were two weeks off not two months not two months like come on more than more than two months. More than two months. Right. Two and a half. Exactly. Um, Had a budget of $620,000. Mm-hmm. Grossed about $4 million. Mm-hmm. Fairly well. Decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that is in 2020 dollars. I didn't look it up. but Not, not quite sure. Um, but, you know, did, did okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't really get great reviews at first, but since, since its release, obviously, has been recognized yes. as the incredibly, like, influential film that Absolutely. it is and has become a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, enough to make two two remakes of. Yes. You know, Wikipedia calls it a film series. I'm like, does that count as a series? No. Like, it's just the movie, and then it's two remakes. Like they right. they don't they aren't really connected. No. I don't know. I guess I guess it's a subjective term. Right. I mean, because literally the only relation between the three is I mean, it takes place on Christmas, which mm-hmm. is obvious because it's called Black Christmas. And murder. And murder. And the college campus and the college campus to some degree, mm-hmm. like, like they're either sorority sisters or classmates or whatever. Right. Like, but there's um, a university setting. Yes. Which actually was not in the original script. Right. They actually, they actually changed that, mm-hmm. um, to, to make it a university setting. Mm-hmm. And the university setting makes a lot of sense, right? Because you can ask any number of um, serial killers, you know, Ed Kemper, John Norman Collins, mm-hmm. Ted Bundy. College campuses are fertile hunting grounds right. for serial which, killers. Which Ted Bundy is. Yeah, we yep. will talk about we him later. We will talk about that. <laughs> um, we will get to that. Okay. Um, you, found, you found that too? <laughs> I did. I sure did. <laughs> I was, I was like, like, oh. Oh. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, so originally, what's funny though, is that this movie was was called Silent Night, Evil Night. 
Right. Which I'm actually quite thankful that they changed it because now we have Silent Night, Deadly Night. Right. Which is a better version of that title. Well, what's so funny is that, yes, is definitely a better version of that style. Like, Silent Night, Evil Night sounds dumb. But also, like, is not the only other title that they went with. Like, originally it was called Stop Me. Yes. Yeah, that was the working title for the screenplay. Right. Like, they had, they, and then there was at least one more that they did Mm -hmm. before they finally changed it to Black Christmas. And the reason that they the reason that the producers were worried about calling it Black Christmas is because they were afraid that people would, would think it was a black exploitation film. Yes. Because it was called Black Christmas. Right. Um, which I found very funny. Mm-hmm. So. This, I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I actually hadn't watched this movie in a while and I forgot the ridiculous prestige cast that this movie has. Yeah, which, yeah, insane. Like what? insane cast i mean i remembered olivia hussey obviously right um olivia hussey her her primary claim to fame i mean i i would argue even in light of this movie right but other than this movie um she of course was in the 1968 version of romeo and juliet Mm -hmm. um which is both very well known because it was an excellent adaptation but also because of the controversy because they were actually like the ages that they were supposed to be in the play right so like it was showing the sort of sexuality of these young teenagers and that was mm-hmm. like you know um that that caused quite a bit of con- controversy but yeah i remember watching that movie in school hmm. mm-hmm. wow yeah 10th grade maybe yeah no i think 10th grade maybe they next. didn't they didn't go that's okay when i was a sub a couple of years ago i i was assigned to show uh the children the leo claire danes version <laughs> the Bos lerman romeo well, and julia well that's so funny that you say that is because we actually compared the two. Oh, okay we watched the I guess original I get that. yeah okay and then we ended up watching the yeah that what 2002 98 i don't remember when the fuck that came out it was i think it was nine it was either 96 or 98 because it was either the year before or the year after titanic i think it was actually 96 i think it was the year before titanic huh crazy to me yeah he's just a baby yeah little baby little baby leo speaking of little babies margot kidder is actually also in this movie mm-hmm. as like an a- actual infant margot kidder yes like this was three years before superman mm-hmm who where she played lois lane and she was lois lane and she was young in that movie yes <laughs> um so we also have of course uh, Kira Delay, or right? No, you said it right. Kira yeah. Delay. Kira Delay, um, who plays Peter in this film. However, <laughs> plays good old Dave. Yep, Dave Bowman in two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Yes. <laughs> um, Here he has long hair. <laughs> he has he has longer hair. Yes. And he's more of an asshole. Oh, way more of an asshole. Oh God, we'll get to that. Also, um, we have to. Um, I have to say this, and I have to credit. Sean's roommate Rachel for saying this is oh. that <laughs> we were trying to figure out like how one pronounces Claire Delay's name mm-hmm. right and we finally said oh it's Claire Delay <laughs> and she goes Claire Delay gone tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how to work that in except for just saying it like that because yeah. it's brilliant so there it is mm-hmm. and I mean he was he was that's true <laughs> he was gone tomorrow yeah uh, we have uh, Andrea Martin Mm-hmm. Who you may know as uh, the aunt from My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. Yes. Or you might know her as Sean does from. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a really random one. 
I know Andrea Martin from a little-known movie, possibly a little-known movie, maybe some of you will remember this, um, that I actually also didn't know was made for TV, um, but it is called In Search of Dr. Seuss. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an all-star cast in this ridiculous made-for-TV film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just quick rundown. Um, Kathy and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Matt Frewer. Sure. Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Um, David Paymer. Patrick Stewart. Billy Crystal. Um, who else was in this? I, did, I know I named a few. I believe Robin Williams was I in thought this? you said Robin Williams, yeah. Yep, yep. Robin Williams. Uh, and uh, Zelda Williams, which... Uh, She's not... Oh, she must have been, like, a little baby. Yeah. I think she's my age. She is actually right in between us. Okay. Right right in between. Um, Howie Mandel. Like, there are so many, so many well-known actors into this, in this, like, ridiculous Dr. Seuss movie. Mm-hmm. Uh... That is wonderful. And and it was actually, a, it was a good movie. I remember watching this film multiple times when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it on VHS. I'm sure I still do. Um, but yeah, so that's how I know her initially. And then, she, oh, and you may, oh, and you may also know her um, as Phyllis Stein from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, yes. That was the other one. Yes. I, I knew there was another one um, that, that was pretty well known that she had been mm-hmm. in as well. She and plays Phyllis in this movie as well? Yes. Yes, she plays Phyllis. Um, and she is also in the 2006 remake of Black Christmas as Miss Mac. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. She, she is the only actor or slash actress that reprises a role, or at least is... She doesn't reprise a role, I guess. Right, but, but returns. She returns yeah. in the remake. Uh, they were actually, I believe, talking about I want to say they were talking about Mardo Kidder coming back instead. Mm-hmm. Um, I may be wrong on that, so don't quote me on that one. Um, no, I think I read that too. That yeah, it was I think that it was th- between the between two. the two. Yeah. Um, that role, by the way, that Andrea Martin played Phyllis, mm-hmm. originally was cast Gilda Radner. Yes. But she couldn't do it because of SNL. Yep. Yep. Because be- I mean, that's like when SNL started. Right. I think it was like right. I mean, I think it officially started in '75, but like development would have started in '74. Exactly. Yeah. So good. So glad that she was in it. Um, we of course have um, John Saxton. John Saxon. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> Clearly, that means that this university is right outside of Springwood, Ohio. Yes, absolutely. And that uh, this lieutenant. Mm-hmm. has, you know, a wife and daughter at home mm-hmm. and is harboring a dark secret about he and his <laughs> uh, neighbors burning um, a, a child murderer alive to save their families. Right. Um, he is actually... I looked this up because I didn't remember, but I looked it up that, like, Nancy's dad in A Nightmare on Elm Street is also a lieutenant, yes, even. Like, is. it is it is right down mm-hmm. to not just the same job, but the same rank. Right. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, so, clearly he changed his name from Fuller to Thompson. Right. Well, that probably had to do with the whole, you know, controversy over the burning the guy alive. Exactly. I mean, it ties I right in. My name. <laughs> ties right on in. Um, anyway. 
<laughs> and then we, of course, have Marion Waldman, who plays the wonderful Miss Mac. Oh my god, I love Miss Mac. She is... She, I think, is my favorite character in this movie. I would agree. Yeah. I think it goes her and then uh, Margot Kidder's character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a tie. It might be a tie. Um, um, and she is known uh, for Deranged and Phobia are the two main uh, movies yes. that I would know yeah, her from. Yeah, she was sort of, and, and she was sort of a character actress. Like, she's mm-hmm. one of these people that would pop up in roles like this, right. where she wasn't necessarily the star of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, she she made an impact. Oh, she sure. sure did. Um, but yeah, deranged and phobia, uh, right around the time of this, actually, like mm-hmm. she sort of transitioned into being kind of like a horror movie actor, yeah, in a way, which mm-hmm. is weird. Um, and then we cannot forget um, Lynn Griffin, who of plays course. poor Claire, mm-hmm. right? Just because she's only actually living in the movie for about ten for twenty minutes, not even. <laughs> I think it's five. Yeah, it's real quick. It's real quick. She goes real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's also known for curtains. She was in curtains in 90, 1983. Yes. So definitely a lot of people in this cast who not only, who either went on to have like really acclaimed careers mm-hmm. or really big careers in horror movies mm-hmm. or like some mix of those two. Right. From Black Christmas. Yep. Like, I, it was just like, oh, wow, it's that guy. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. it's her. Oh, my God. Like, what is happening right now? Right. Um, but, yeah. So, Black Christmas is a very simple film. Yeah. Like, the plot is literally, there are a group of girls in a sorority house who have not gone home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Most of their sisters have. So there's really only like four or five of them left in the house mm-hmm. with their house mother. They've been receiving obscene phone calls. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty graphic obscene phone calls, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the actresses actually never heard right. the content that we, the audience here, mm-hmm. because when they were filming, Bob Clark mm-hmm. is his name, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Dug myself for a second. <laughs> the director. For the, the director record. of the film, Bob Clark, um, was saying like vaguely threatening things off camera because he wanted them to just kind of look like numb and like a little bit freaked out, but not have the level of reaction that one might have had mm-hmm. if he'd actually been saying the things that he says, which right. are very vulgar. Yes. Like and very violent. And mm-hmm. for some reason he can do like a bunch of different voices and it's really weird. Like it reminds me, like it reminds me a little bit. The phone calls remind me a little bit of Reagan in the exorcist. Yeah. Right. Like that's the kind like, that's the level of like weirdness that's going on here. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Well, and it's, and it's funny that you mentioned that. So like the things that he was saying, um, one little fun fact, mm -hmm. um, this is the first time that the word cunt is used in a film. It, yes, in a well, in like a non-porn film, in but a non- like a, a yes, regular in a, film, in a yeah. regular ass mm-hmm. like film in mainstream film. Yeah, yep. And uh, we should we should say that the the caller, the voice of the caller, and the voice of the killer is Nick Mancuso. One of them disappears. We, as the audience, which is interesting, we as the audience know exactly what happened to that girl. Oh yeah. We watch it happen. Mm-hmm. We know exactly where she is the whole time. But we watch the investigation into her disappearance Mm -hmm. and then the killer 
who is actually holed up in the sorority house, mm-hmm. starts to pick off the rest of the residents of the home. Until we get down to an unconventional final girl? Yes. Because it's really before that trope developed, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why, but like not anything like any of the other final girls that we will talk about. Right. In fact, the one who would, if this was like a slasher from the 80s, the one who would have been the final girl would have been Claire. Yeah. Because she was the good girl. Yep. And she went first. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but we get down to uh, just Jess who is Olivia Hussey's character. Yes. And her character is um, pregnant Mm -hmm. and planning to terminate her pregnancy and throughout the film is fighting with her boyfriend who is a fuck and a half. Yep. About this. Right? Um, Yeah. Not a good guy. No. Um, Very, very, very sexist. A lot of, like, it's interesting that this is the second movie where, like, the... The second movie we've talked about, specifically from the 70s, mm-hmm. where the topic of abortion did come up, mm-hmm. it just shows you, like, um, how prevalent that conversation was yeah. in the 70s, right? Because this was only, this movie was only made two, day, two days. <laughs> <laughs> two days after Roe. No, this movie was only made two years after Roe versus Wade. For example, when, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but when she does tell Peter that she's pregnant and she's not planning to keep it. He loses his shit. Yep. Tells her that she can't make that decision. Which is like <laughs> fuck you, buddy. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't realize that this suddenly I'm became sorry. your body. Are you are you carrying this huh? fetus? Mm. Is this your health and well being? Do you want to do you want to take this fetus right. I'm about to abort and wanna, put it in your body? Right? Do you want to seahorse this shit? Because yep. otherwise, sit the fuck down. Yep. Um but also, and then later when she's like, yeah, I'm not going to change my mind. Right. And he's like, I'll convince you, just wait. Right. And then he um, has a really bad recital and takes a mic stand to the grand piano in the recital hall, which is not his piano. Nope. And was almost as offensive to me as the anti-choice stance. I, like, I was oh. like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, that's a grand piano. What yeah. are you doing? Well, I mean, he did shit his fingers right all over it because his his performance was real bad. Right, and then he <laughs> blames her for right. that. It's like no, 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 not her fault. No. Um. But anyway, so then when he shows up later, uh, he says, you know, I'm gonna leave the conservatory and we're gonna get married. Right. And she's like, I'm afraid I can't do that, Peter. <laughs> it's not what she says. It's basically what she says. It's basically what she says. <laughs> In essence. In the course of this investigation, she begins to suspect Peter of being the killer. Yes. And I feel like we do as an audience as well. Oh, no. I you was are like, led in that direction. Yeah. we were. I was pretty set. Now, mind you, I, I will actually say that this is my first time watching this version of the film. Right. But um, no, but you... you and know. I was like, yeah, it's Peter. It's... Right. Obviously. Yeah. At some point, you know, I walked in to the house, like, right before you finished watching it, and I said something about how she thinks it's Peter, and you were like, oh, it's not Peter. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Whoops. Um, 
but yeah, so she begins to suspect Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, is relieved when she realizes that Peter was in the house when one of the calls came in, so yes. therefore it could not be him. Mm-hmm. However, once the trap and trace mm-hmm. that they do... <laughs> that fucking marathon. Right. <laughs> reveals that the calls are coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this movie is very heavily influenced by the, um, like, when a stranger calls I was gonna type say, of, yeah, like, that urban legend. Because like, did that... I don't know if the movie came out before this one. We'd have to look that up. And we will right now. It's happening. And I will keep talking about the plot. Um, that when... It was after. It was after. Okay, but the urban legend was already yes. a thing. So mm-hmm. the sort of when a stranger calls type urban legend. Um, when it is revealed to her that the calls are in fact coming from inside the house. Mm-hmm. She again suspects Peter. Right. Peter then has absolutely been stalking her also, by the way. He's been like skulking around outside the house. Mm -hmm. He did call her at one point, like sobbing about not killing his baby. Mm -hmm. And then when she's hiding from the killer in the basement, he's outside the basement door banging on it saying, you know, Jess, Jess, are you in there? Right. Right. And it's like, how did you know that she was in the basement? Right. You know, out there in the cold saying, open the pod bay doors. Okay, I swear this is the last one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can't let you do that, Peter. (laughs) And then he breaks into the basement. Right. So she bludgeons him to death. Yep. Because she assumes he's the killer. We find out that she is incorrect. (laughs) Um, and her fate is actually left pretty ambiguous because uh, they leave her, they drug her, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously she's in shock. So they drug her, they put her in her bed, they turn out the light, they leave her there. And then you, it is revealed that the killer's still in the attic. Yeah. Right? So you actually mm-hmm. don't know what happens to Olivia Hussey's character. Right. Because, and... because also all the cops leave mm-hmm. because Claire, who's the first girl to go, her father has been in the movie the whole time. Right. And he faints. Mm-hmm. And so they all leave to go take care of him. Right. And leave her alone. Because they think that the danger's over. Right. I mean, you would think they would leave someone with her, given the fact that she is drugged. And and she was attacked. There is technically someone standing outside of the house. That's true. There is someone outside. And and one could assume that there are probably people, like, downstairs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he has, you know, this particular killer has managed to kill people with people in the house more than once. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's not unreasonable to assume that he might end up getting uh, Olivia Hussey's character anyway. Mm-hmm. That being said, since Peter's not the killer, you never find out who it is. Nope. He is just a random maniac. Mm-hmm. You don't get a reason. You don't get a backstory. You get nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't even get his whole face. He is just a random maniac, which we will talk more about later. Yes. Yeah. So, um, getting into the not many deaths that happen in this. As we mentioned, we do start off with Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire is um, up in a room. She ends up hearing something moving in her closet. 
Well, she hears the cat. She hears the cat. The cat. The cat is in the room. Mm-hmm. But then she she thinks that it's still the cat in the closet. Mm-hmm. It is not. Definitely, most certainly not. Nope. Uh, Claire ends up getting suffocated with a plastic, uh, like dry cleaning dry cleaning bag. bag yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this murder, of course, is the iconic cover of the film. It is a, it is the main art in the for the poster of oh, the yeah. movie. Um, because it it is the the primary image associated with the film. Absolutely, is, is the body of Claire. Well, and which her, he then stashes in the attic. Yes, um, and and you see Claire throughout the film. Mm-hmm. It, it it semi regularly flashes back to her for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, the next murder, which doesn't happen for a good half hour right oh yeah no we have this entire investigation at this point right like claire's father shows up to pick Mm -hmm. her up for the holidays she does not show up to meet him Mm -hmm. so he goes to the sorority house to try to find her Mm -hmm. and then her friends go out and find her they eventually involve the police when they can't find her Mm -hmm. during all of this you find out that there have been other um crimes committed against women in the town you don't ever find out if they're related but there was a, a girl who had been raped in town, and then there is a little girl who's murdered yes. and left in the park mm-hmm. that they find while they're searching for Claire. Yes. So then we have uh, Mrs. Mack, who is who has told everyone in the sorority that she's leaving. Like, she's going on vacation, seeing her family. I don't remember which. Right, which is um, an excellent way for a film to, like, get around the how the hell has no one noticed that she's not there right. thing. Um, that, like, is a is a trap that slashers fall into so often it's like she literally tells phyllis as she's running out the door to go join the search party for claire right the cap's on the way to take me to my sister's yep. for christmas mm-hmm. so so um so miss mac is um getting ready mind you this entire time she is hearing the cats that she has been looking for um and finally ends up hearing the cat upstairs uh she's, she's- also a drunk Oh, oh, <laughs> yes. We should actually talk about that before we talk about her death. So, mm-hmm. um, Mrs. Mack <laughs> is a major boozer. Mm-hmm. Um, she has stashes throughout the house, throughout the, the first half of the film. First, you see that she's hidden a bottle in a book. Mm-hmm. Then, in the back of a toilet, mm-hmm. um, there is one that I missed where she pulled it out from, but I know that she pulled it out while she was getting ready to leave with um with Claire's dad. I think she was... Oh, uh-huh. I think that was in her handbag. I think it was in her handbag. And then there's one in her suitcase. Yes, and there's one that is in a shoebox in the back of her closet. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, so, and all of this, like, it's all the same yep. bottle, like, mm-hmm. several different bottles of the same liquor, which is, mm-hmm. like... Just sherry. She's yeah. just drinking sherry straight mm-hmm. out of the bottle, which like yuck. But yeah, that's why there's is... that's why there's sherry in the shock. Right. Um oh god, and straight out of the bottle too. Like uh, warm. Like yeah. right? Like ugh. and out of the toilet bowl, lady. Yeah, you put it in the medicine cabinet. And did you see how disgusting that toilet bowl looked? Yes. Ooh, it's an old house. Oh god, it was bad. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> neither here nor there because it doesn't matter because she's dead. Yep, she's dead. She ends up uh, going up to the attic because she ends up hearing uh, the cat up there Mm -hmm. and ends up finding Claire. Right. Has just enough time to see Claire's body before. Before a meat hook 
swings from the killer's hands. Right into her throat. Right into her throat, and then he pulls her up. Yep. And hangs her. Yeah. This killer is very strong. This killer is very strong. Well, I mean, he's in a psychotic state. Right. So he can... I mean, really full on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Major psychotic state. I mean, just completely divorced from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially because... And you see that even more after she is murdered. Um, because once you see actually see her... Because initially, all you see um, is you see the meat hook swing towards her. And then you, you hear her screaming and see her... Just getting pulled up into right, the Right, you see her legs disappear into yes. the attic. That is interesting because the the way that the murders are filmed mm-hmm. is almost Hitchcockian. Yes. Right? Like, it is, they are very reserved mm-hmm. with what they show of yes. the murders. And that was a choice. By Bob Clark. The original plan was to make them much more gruesome. Yes. And obviously we've talked about movies that went in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but that they they went for the sort of psychological thriller, mm-hmm. what you can't see scares you more type mm-hmm. of thing that uh, Hitchcock was so famous for. Right. And that was that is one thing that Bob Clark does say is that he, like, even though people consider this a slasher, um, he considers it more of a psychological thriller. I, I would... I would I would put it halfway in between almost. Right. I would classify this sort of like Halloween, like a proto slasher, but like yes. I, I would agree that this is not a true slasher. No, 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 no. Because most of the movie is the investigation. Right. And that is simply not a thing in slashers. In slashers, it is death, 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 death. There's not going to be a scene where a guy's running through the phone company doing a trap and trace <laughs> in, a, in a real slasher, right? Like, no. Don't have time for that uh, shit. So. The next time that you see Miss Mack, when, mm-hmm. when you actually see that she's dead, she mm-hmm. has the meat hook in her throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mystery killer goes on a mini rampage in that attic. He mm-hmm. goes, he panics. Um, he just, he starts destroying that attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one else is in the house, of course, because mm-hmm. if they were, then. Right. This is a point where everyone has left to go, really to go look for Claire. Yes. Um, yeah. And. Also, the the rhyme, which is never explained. Right. But, like, there is something, like, there there's clearly a pathology to this guy. Mm-hmm. Even if you never get to know what it is. Right. Right? Because it is assumed that mm-hmm. his name is Billy, though right. you don't know that. Right. Um, he could just be making someone up. Mm-hmm. Right? But there is a Billy and there is an Agnes, and bad things have happened either between them or they did bad things together Mm -hmm. and you never find out what that is but he is reliving it over and over and over and over and he definitely seems to see the girls as agnes Mm -hmm. especially claire like he has her in that rocking chair up in the attic Mm -hmm. and he is rocking her yeah as if she's still alive and as if he's like going to rock her to sleep Mm -hmm. um because also it, it it seems like agnes and billy like, whatever had happened, happened when they were children. So that is the death of Mrs. Mac. Mm-hmm. Ms. Mac. Then we have the lovely Barb. <laughs> Barb. Margot Kidder's character oh, is fucking hilarious. Yes. Also kind of tragic because she is clearly also a drunk. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. she's very she's a... young to be yes. as much of a drunk as she is. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, has... I mean, when we were talking about 
choosing a title for this episode, we're like, clearly it's going to be something that comes out of Margot Kidder's mouth because yes. she has the she has literally all of the best lines in the movie. Yep. Um. So, Barb uh, ends up getting excessively drunk and right. goes on a little rant because she does feel guilty. Yeah. Because she she feels like I mean no one knows what has happened to Claire, mm-hmm. but the general worry is that she left the house because she was upset because she and Barb had an argument. Right. And that something happened to her when she left the house. Mm-hmm. It does not occur to anyone that she's still in the house. Right. Um, no one checks the attic. Maybe they wouldn't check the attic. I don't know. I mean, maybe they wouldn't. I mean, there's, you yeah. know, there have been real life cases of people hiding in fucking attics. By oh, the way, yeah. like the Spider-Man of Denver. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find it for a good long time because no one checked the attic. So maybe right. it's not unrealistic at all that they didn't look in the attic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily thought to look in the attic. No, though. I don't think I would have. I mean, especially if, like, the, you would have just assumed that she left under... You wouldn't assume there was somebody in the house. Like, you, you would have right. assumed that she left under her own power and that something happened to her out in the world where it was mm-hmm. happening to these other girls. Exactly. Like, the house is the safe place. Right. Can we real quick, since we're talking about um, the the Hitchcockian camera work with the murders, mm-hmm. also talk about the image of the corpse in the chair is very reminiscent oh, yes. of Mrs. Bates in Psycho. Like, even mm-hmm. though Mrs. Bates is skeletal, right? She's obviously been right. dead a lot longer. But, but the idea that she is being kept and mm-hmm. that she is being, that she's sort of in a chair, in like a rocking chair, mm-hmm. um... I mean, obviously she's in the basement instead of the attic, but he moves her to the basement. She's in the upper room for most of the movie, peering out of that window, Mm -hmm. very much the way that Claire's body is at at the end of the film. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably also, um, I mean, clearly Psycho's a direct influence on this movie, but I just, I hadn't thought of that until just this second. So (laughs) I decided I needed to say it. Anyway, carry on. So we have... So Barb, of course, as we mentioned, is is very guilty feeling. She or feels very guilty. She's drunk out of her mind. They send her to bed. Mm-hmm. She has a nightmare. Yep. Which um, which Jess ends up like going up there and like comforting her, and she gives she's her having she, an asthma attack. Yep. So she gives her her inhaler, and then the perfect distraction happens, mm-hmm. and a uh, children's choir ends up coming to the door. Of all things. Of all things, and Jess goes down to answer the door while they're singing. Our lovely killer ends up taking a glass statue of a unicorn mm-hmm. and shoving that horn repeatedly through her stomach. Mm-hmm. Just stabs her to death with it. And I was like, Ugh. I mean, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die by that a unicorn That would be how horn. you would go. That's that Somebody would... was going to murder you. Yeah. That'd that be how would I'd be pick. the poetic way yep. for, for Sean to die is <laughs> via unicorn horn. Yes. Um, um. <laughs> and, and she's not seen... Again. No, you don't see her dead body. You do hear no. her, though, because he calls again. And he holds the receiver up to her. Yes. So that you hear her sort of dying breaths. Mm-hmm. Which is very... It's very dark. It's a very icky thing to do, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, murdering her is a very icky thing to do, but... Right. To do that is like, just a next level. A right. Extra layer of icky. Yeah. Um, and then our, our final kill, we actually don't ever actually see happen. So That's it's... That's true. It's she Phil. just goes to bed. Yeah, Phil. She goes to bed and then you mm-hmm. see her body. Yep, because Phil is home from looking for uh, Claire. And I guess I don't remember her mentioning it at all otherwise or anything, but she is 
really, really tired because she took some, uh, some medicine because she has a small, like, like a small yeah, cold. Yeah, she, she has a cold. She's very stressed out. She's very worried about Claire. Mm-hmm. She also had been drinking, like, you know, she was just tired and she was upset. And so uh, Jess sends her off to bed. Right. And the next time you see her, she is she is dead in Barb's bed with her. Yep. Yeah, the last moment that you see her is her just closing the door. Mm-hmm. Well, those are that's the final death that the killer perpetrates. That's true. The final death is Peter. Right. The final death is Peter. Um, who who just bludgeons because she believes him to be the killer. Right. So in self defense. I mean. Well, and like, let's be clear. He might have been there to hurt her. Yeah. Just because he wasn't the actual like serial killer who had been stalking them the whole time does not mm-hmm. mean that he was not there to hurt Jess. Yeah. Because would... he did flat out break into that basement. Yeah. And he didn't, I don't, he didn't know about the killer to the full degree. Right. He knew, he knew that, he knew that Claire calling. was missing. He yeah. knew that a little girl had been murdered in the park. Although, mm-hmm. depending on when that little girl was murdered, it might not have been the killer that's in the house. Right. Because he was in the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's also the cop. The cop that was left to guard the house. He slits his throat so that he oh, yes. doesn't. Obviously, yep. so that he can mm-hmm. do what he needs to do without being right. interrupted by the cops. Yeah. So he is also, I believe, that he, he in between, uh, somewhere in between Barb and Phil. Yeah, somewhere cop, there. The cop gets his throat slit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And realistically, who knows if that was even the killer for that? I mean, because it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't, you, you don't would assume see it for, but you would, you would assume that. He, he had taken him out so that he didn't do his job and right. guard the girls from. Right. But also the he really didn't even have to do that because he was stand he was like sitting in his car outside mm-hmm. trying to keep anyone from getting into the house. He was already in the house. Right. So um we should say he gets in during a Christmas party. Yep. Right in the so, beginning of the film. Right. It, it's not like they just are leaving willy-nilly although it was the 70s so people absolutely did this but it like mm-hmm. it wasn't like he was just leaving willy-nilly or they were just leaving willy-nilly doors and windows open like it there was an open house and he just walked in the door mm-hmm. and walked up the stairs and made his way into the attic and then stayed there so yeah he he climbed up the shoot the rose ladder the flower ladder thing the trellis? That's what it is. I am good at knowing things. It is a trellis. <laughs> yep, that's what it is. So he climbs the flower ladder. <laughs> he climbs the rose ladder, which... <laughs> My bad, folks. I mean, that's a perfectly apt description of what that object is. It is! I didn't know the name of it. My bad. I mean, you know, much... Much a much clearer explanation than trellis. Like, yeah, what the right. fuck does that mean? In case you don't know, in case you don't know, a trellis is a rose ladder. Right. Uh, so he ends up climbing the trellis up to the attic window. Right. Right. In. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But while well, everyone is sort of distracted by the mm-hmm. by the party going on. Right. Um. So those are all the murders. So there's not. There are not very many. There's not very many. I mean, in the in the tradition of movies like this. Because this movie was so hugely influential on later films, mm-hmm. really not a not a lot of bloodshed, right. and like I said, very reserved in its depiction of the murders. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, really, though, when you come down to think of it, it is six murders. It's six murders. It's six murders in, like, 48 hours, which, like, it's it's definitely a spree. Yeah. But it's also, like, it, it is a, it's an almost eerily realistic, like, yes, some of, some of the methods of murder are over the top, right? Oh, like, right. suspending Mrs. Mack from a meat hook. Right. Or stabbing Barb with a unicorn, you know, are, are not your, your run-of-the-mill right. serial killer moves. But it is, like, an eerily realistic mm-hmm. depiction of this kind of killer. Right. The obscene phone calls. I mean, Gold State Killer yep. did that. Mm-hmm. Right? And he also, like, taunted his victims after the fact um, when he was still the East Area Rapist before he started killing. Right. Um, you know, like we talked about the the college campus, the young women on the college campus using it as, as a hunting ground. Mm-hmm. Various killers did that. The filmmakers cite... Um, the case of Wayne Bowden, who's a Canadian serial killer, as an influence yes. uh, to this film. But by 1974, they had any number of people who they could reference as an influence right. for a serial killer movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this really is a serial killer movie. Absolutely. More so than, maybe not more so than Halloween, because like we talked about, Halloween was actually a fairly straightforward depiction of a serial killer. But like, mm-hmm. starting with like, Friday the 13th and getting into the actual slashers, like, these two are much more realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, the... I mean, except for except for him being able to speak in, like, four different voices. Right. Like, if you look at the cast list, you see that there are actually, like, four different people who are talking because... Right. No one can actually do that with their voice. Exactly. <laughs> so... So it's a little perfect, even but if, otherwise... Even, even if they're a maniac, they can't do that. Right. Well, and, and so, like, speaking of, like, influence, though, so it's it's... One that they talk about is the, um, the the vampire killer. That's Wayne Bowden. Or ra- vampire rapist. The vampire ra- rapist is Wayne Bowden. Right. Yes. Um, and then the other one is the um the urban legend, the babysitter, and the man upstairs, right. which is yep. also heavily influ- which heavily influenced when a stranger calls. When a stranger of course. calls, of course, yes. Um, that is the. Yes. So. The investigation is also interesting because. Not only when Claire is missing, mm-hmm. but also when the 13-year-old girl who ends up dead in the park is missing. The cops are like, are you sure she didn't just... Yeah. Like, oh my God, that part pissed me off so much about right? this movie. And if you, if you are a consumer at all of true crime, you know that in the 70s and the 80s and like the sort of golden age of the serial killer, this was a hindrance to investigations and mm-hmm. and like outright facilitated the killer mm-hmm. right and allowed him to stay on the street and kill more people right in almost every case because yeah. the cops would just be like mm, i don't know maybe she's just like out at a friend's yeah maybe she just ran away they right. all ran away it's like no no they didn't even if like everyone who knows them is like she doesn't do that right she wouldn't do that they're like but maybe they didn't she did but maybe time. she did this just one time right no. Well, and that's why, like, I, right. Well, and that's in a way why I'm thankful for both Sergeant Nash and Lieutenant Ken Fuller being in this film because mm-hmm. they are polar opposites. Because um, Sergeant Nash is the literal worst as well. He right. is the cop version of the is, literal worst in right. this movie, and and he is he is that stereotype of the cop oh, who's yeah. like like there's 
there's nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. Whereas, yes, Ken Fuller is um, much more progressive. Yes. He, like, he goes down. He's like, so we have a murdered girl in a park. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, a sorority house that's getting obscene phone calls. And mm-hmm. one of them has gone missing. Right. Don't see any connections there. Don't you think we should look into this? Like, right. he is he's very much, you know, forward thinking in that yes. way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, I know that... Uh... And really, he treats the girls with respect. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't demean them really at all. No. We're... Sergeant Nash is just a fuck. And and he is a fucking idiot, too. He is. He fell for... Uh, <laughs> he fell for Barb's fucking trick. <laughs> was it fellatio? It was fellatio 2008 or something like that. Like, so if you are watching this movie and you are, you know, a, a child of the sort of late 20th century and the fact that she said a word and then numbers when she was giving... Right. Her phone number makes no sense to you. Uh-huh. Um, so if you look at a, a good old fashioned like touch tone phone, mm-hmm. you'll see that like there are well, I mean I guess on your on your cell phone too. Like yeah. there are letters mm-hmm. um next to or like there are three letters on each number. Right. Right. So when um back in the day when you had to like call the operator to connect you to someone else's house and you were giving the number, um, there would be the exchanges. So the exchange is the first three letters of your phone number that are the same as everyone else who lives in your area. Right. Right? That's the exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, The first two letters of that exchange would be represented by a word that was related, a word or a couple of words that was related to the letters themselves. Mm -hmm. Right? So like... um, one that's used in cartoons all the time because they used 555. Right. Right? Is Klondike 5. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that is. So when she says, you know, fellatio, whatever, and right. she's like, oh, yeah, it's a new exchange, F-E. If that made no sense to you, that's what that means. Mm-hmm. And it's a fucking hilarious joke. Yes, it is. <laughs> because he falls for it. I'm like because he doesn't know what that word means right so he just like he's like oh okay I haven't heard that one he writes it down and then what's even funnier is later when Fuller has it yeah and the other guy whose name I forget who's like his entire role in the movie is just to laugh at other people like (laughs) is like almost crying oh my god like Fuller looks at the paper and he goes what the fuck and the other guy just starts dying and he like walks out he's like Nash, can I talk to you for a second? And like he like expl- or he doesn't explain. He doesn't tell him what Flacio means. No, he's not just at all. like, who gave you this number? And he's like, oh yeah, F E. So at, at least then Fuller has the number. Like he knows what what letters he has to push. Right. But um, <laughs> but at, then at some point Nash goes, oh I get it. It's something dirty, ain't it? <laughs> it's like. Three hours later, he right. finally gets it. But God bless. Oh my God, it's so funny. <sighs> bouncing back again a little bit, which I know mm-hmm. we're we're really good at bouncing around. Um, it's what we do. It's what we do. What we do best. Um, so, because I know you mentioned like the cinematography and mm-hmm. one of the most effective shots that I found was mm-hmm. at the like almost at the very end mm-hmm. when it is post the calls that are coming from inside the house mm-hmm. and. Uh, Jess is trying to save um, 
Phil and Barb, which like in, in one aspect you, you would think like, Oh, well that's stupid. Like the killers in the house, but like, these are people that you live with. They're your friends. Right. I mean, and you want to save them. Yes. I mean, we give girls in horror movies a lot of shit. Yeah. We give girls in horror movies a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. Like, and one of the things is like, Oh, why don't you just leave the house? It's like, would you like put yourself in that position? Mm -hmm. You've just been told there's a murderer in the house. Two of your best friends are upstairs asleep. Yep. Like, maybe they're already dead. Right. What if they're not? Right. And and that's something that you would have to live with the rest of your life. If you walked out that door. Mm -hmm. It would be an impossible decision to make. Yeah. It would be an incredibly, like, you know, any any of these. I mean, you know, (laughs) putting these scenarios into, into like, real world context takes the fun away a little bit. But, like, just for a second. Mm -hmm. Put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's going through this and imagine how remarkably traumatizing it is yeah and and then you know tell us how how rational you would be right well and it's funny because like like again just going back to the fact that um sergeant nash is a fucking idiot my god yeah right he He was was literally specifically don't tell the girl that there is a the the killer is in the house the calls are coming from inside the house and he fucking does it anyways he does but also she's not an idiot because when he says just put the phone down and walk out the front door she's like Right. This is not normal. Right. Like this is not a this is not a normal thing to say to somebody. What is happening? Right. And and I understand her questioning. It. Right. Like, you know. For sure. Um so when she is see like I like I said like all over the place folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. when she's upstairs mm-hmm. and she walks into the room where Barb and Claire are dead. Or sorry, where Barb and Phil are dead. Mubby. Um and she turns around and sees the eye. Oh yeah. Oh. Iconic. <laughs> <laughs> it is iconic. That is the most you ever see of him. Yeah. You see his hands and you see one of his eyes. Mm-hmm. Because also when he's holding the meat hook up and Mrs. Max sees his face yeah. very, very briefly. You still only see, like, the shaft of light only is illuminating that one eye. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think the only other thing that you that you see slightly is his shadow. You see that he has long hair, which is just trying to allude more right. to Peter being the killer. Right. But, I mean, you know, every guy in the movie has long hair. Right, except exactly. the cops. Because um, it was 1974. Right. Um, My dad's hair was pretty long in 1974. My hair is kind of long now. It yes. used to be even longer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, it, that, what goes around comes around, you know. It, it, I mean, it yeah. also goes with trends. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just, that just happened to be one of the things that stuck out to me the most mm-hmm. is, is just that eye, that close up of that eye just staring, unblinking. Yeah, no, the cinematography. It's terrifying. Yeah, the cinematography is pretty good. There's also, yeah. of course, the the use of the point of view. Of the killer. Point of view of the killer, which mm-hmm. is is not something that they invented. No, it, um, yeah, someone. I think people thought that that was like the first movie to do it. Sometimes they do think it, which mm-hmm. is like, uh, uh, hi, peeping tom, peeping tom, and psycho, and psycho, both of them, and they were they came out the same year, right? But they both did it. I mean, peeping tom, obviously, that's most of the movie, right? Because you know, peeping tom, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, also, the the shower scene in Psycho, right? You have you have. Norman's um, vantage point the entire time. Mm-hmm. Prior to uh, Bob Clark making this film, 
Um, he actually did do several other horror movies. They mm. were lesser known. Um, I know he did like uh, Dead of Night, also known as Death Dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one that's like a horror comedy, children shouldn't play with dead things. Um, I mean, because this is, is like, this is, I feel like when he really broke out though, mm-hmm. is with Black, Black Christmas. Um, but several movies later, he did Porky's. Sure he, did. he did Porky's, and then the follow two years later did Porky's two the mm-hmm. next day, and same year. A Christmas Story. Yeah. Which is, even with it being slightly problematic, in multiple ways, including well, yeah. racism. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, sure. of the time, of course, but um, not an excuse, but not yes. an excuse. Um, but it is my favorite Christmas movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. You know, it's it's. You know, acknowledging its its flaws, it's definitely a classic. Yes. I can kind of see the through line of making a movie about a stalking, maniacal killer and then making Porky's, to be honest with you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean... I can yeah. see that connection. Yep. Like, the voyeurism, <laughs> the obscenity. Right. Like, right. I kind of... And, of course, the transition into A Christmas Story with... And then, <laughs> right right in there. It all it all makes sense. Yeah. For sure. um, so, oh, and, of course... Also very well known for making the worst rated movie of all time, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. <laughs> That's, really? that is Bob Clark, ladies and gentlemen. That's... Both the original and the and the sequel, by the way. He did both Baby Geniuses and Baby Geniuses 2. That's fucking hilarious. How do you go from this movie? I don't know. I mean, talk about a studio man. Like, right. just, just, he's just gonna do whatever they hand him. Yep. <laughs> bouncing all over the fucking place um so yeah he definitely did super babies too mm-hmm. or super babies baby geniuses too um which is one of the last movies that he ever did <laughs> so, well i mean because uh, he did die in 2007 so it's a very unfortunate thing for him to be uh have a send off of right um because um, i mean actually the last movie he did was the karate dog which was a made for tv movie and then he did blonde and blonder um which he was actually not even credited for. Wow. Yeah. So luckily he has a, a few, you know, pretty significant um, films under his belt that yes. can be his legacy. So that's Super I, Fucking Babies 2 or whatever the fuck it is. Right. Is not. Right. Exactly. Uh-huh. Like. I mean, it's iconic to have the worst rated, to make the worst rated movie of all time. That is true. I mean, it's a, it's a thing. I yeah. mean, John Waters is probably jealous. I'm sure. <laughs> He's all about that trash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> trash so, and tail. <laughs> something to aspire to. Um, just need some talking babies, John. Right. That's what you're missing. It's all we need. Oh, God bless. Um, anyway. So, oh, and then another thing that I wanted to mention, because I know we brunch- mentioned, we mentioned Ray Moore, mm-hmm. um, the writer of this, who did the screenplay Stop Me for this mm-hmm. film. He also did have a hand in writing the 2006 remake. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. With uh, Glenn Morgan. Glenn Morgan did the screenplay, but he was also a writer on that one. So. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, Roy Moore actually did not intend this to either be set at Christmas or on a university. Right. When he began writing it, which is why it was called Stop Me instead mm-hmm. of Black Christmas. But again, the... Um, the elements of actual cases 
Yeah. Right? Or or sort of common threads among cases. Mm-hmm. By 1974, we were well into the, you know, this is this is um, an oft-used but unfortunate phrasing, the quote-unquote golden age of the serial killer. Um, <laughs> I wish I wish there was something else we could call that, but it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Um, you know, Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, had been captured and tried the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just widespread serial violence. Even when you weren't talking about serial killers, like, um, people talk about, given the, you know, the recent trial and sentencing of Joseph James D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer, mm-hmm. right? Um, when he was active as the East Area Rapist in Sacramento in the mid-70s, there were at least three others. Yep. With dozens of victims mm-hmm. each. So, you know, you had um, Dahmer, you had Wayne Bowden, who was, um, you know, up in Canada that influenced this film. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like the the timeline exactly. You had already had the Zodiac. You had already had John Norman Collins. So this movie was set right. It was. It took place right in the just about. The it was very of it. relevant. Yeah. Right. It was very relevant to its time. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond it being like we did mention, this was the first holiday themed horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, then they started coming in rapid succession. You had, of course, Halloween four years later, and then you had, you know, Saturday not night. Deadly Night was not that long later. Yeah, I think that was in, like, the 80s. You had April Fool's Day. You had My Bloody Valentine. You had, you know, all, every holiday now has a mm-hmm. has a horror movie associated with it. Um, this was the first one. But at its core, if you take out the fact that it's set at Christmas, because really the only reason it's set at Christmas is because it is easier to explain why there's so few girls left in the house. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. It would either have to be, like, Christmas or, like, maybe the middle of summer that they were the only ones left Um living there you had the lipstick killer who like wrote on the wall you know please stop me i can't help myself in the lipstick Mm -hmm. um you have had there was uh, i forget his real name or even if they ever caught him but there was somebody called the weep of voice killer Mm -hmm. who after he murdered would call crying like i don't know please stop me i don't i killed this girl and um so the the behavior of the killer Mm -hmm. is like eerily realistic and then like the content of the obscene phone calls that they added in later Mm -hmm. is eerily realistic and just the scenario in general yeah definitely happened you know you had richard speck who walked into a um boarding house where a bunch of nursing students lived and killed them one by one by one Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night and then In 1978, Mm -hmm. this movie was slated to premiere as NBC's movie of the week. Mind you, it was already had been out for a while, right? It came out in 1974. Right. So this is four four full years later. Four years later, it was slated to be NBC's movie of the week, which is ludicrous to me. Like the idea that they were ever going to show this on network television. Yeah. They they would have to cut out half of it. Like they must have, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Certainly the phone calls. They wouldn't have let those fly on TV. Like they would have had to change the wording. Anyway. It's neither here nor there. It was due to um, be NBC's movie of the week mm-hmm. across the main station and all of its local affiliates mm-hmm. on January 28th, 1978. Mm-hmm. In the early morning hours of January 15th, 
1978. Ted Bundy walked into Chi Omega sorority house in Sarasota, Florida, and viciously bludgeoned two women to death, critically injuring three more. It did not premiere. No. As people, NBC's movie of the week. People pleaded it yes. to pull the movie from the broadcast. Yeah. The affiliates were like, we cannot show this. No. Instead, they showed Doc Savage, Man of Bronze. Mm. <laughs> Which they probably didn't have to cut down by like fucking half. Mm-hmm. Right. To show on network television. Well, and it's funny because they did end up actually showing this movie. Mind you, they renamed it mm-hmm. Stranger in the House. But they ended up showing it as a late movie on May 14th of the same year. Right. That was the other thing. It's like, why would you show it in January? Right. Like, it's about Christmas. Why would you show it in May? <laughs> well, I mean, they tried to get around that by renaming it. But right. like, True. it's still like, you can't remove all of the Christmas decorations or no. the the fact that one of their boyfriends dresses up as Santa for the little kids. Like, right. Even though... It does not necessarily have to be Christmas for this to be happening. Happening, It is very clear in the film that it is Christmas. Yeah. Like, that is a major part of the film. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So another thing with the music of yes. the film. So, of course, we have our composer, Carl Zitterer. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually uh, created this, this truly wonderful film score um, by uh, tying forks, combs, and knives to the strings of his piano, so the mm-hmm. sound would end up warping as he uh, was uh, striking the keys. So he then would distort the sound by uh, recording audio tape while putting pressure on the reels of the machine mm-hmm. to make it turn slower. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, I'm going to fuck this music up just right. And he sure did. Yep. Um, and and uh, l- like I was saying to Sean, if, if there are any fans of like experimental postmodern um music out there this is very similar and i actually when i was listening to it it does sound like it yeah very similar to uh john cage's sound compositions Mm -hmm. so well all right folks i think that's it for that lovely christmas episode Mm -hmm. we hope that you have a wonderful holiday that you you know make the most of it this has been Mm -hmm. quite a year but we're almost through it. We almost made it through. So just have a great holiday. And uh, while you have some downtime during the holiday, go ahead and follow us on Spotify. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. We are at FN Frights Podcast. On Twitter, we are FN Frights Pod. We have a website, FNFrightsPodcast.com. Or you can email us directly at scream at fmfrightspodcast.com. Uh, or if you go to our anchor page, you can leave us mm-hmm. a voice message, which which would be really fun. Yeah, we'd love to hear your voice. I mean, we can't see each other in person, but I'd love to hear from you. Right, exactly. Like, you you listen to our voices, so mm-hmm. we would we'd love to hear gladly <laughs> reciprocate that and listen to your voices. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we do have, um, via Patreon, we have Fright Club. Fright Club. And, uh, Katie, what is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is believe women. If you are, say, a law enforcement officer 
or you're say you know a, a campus official or these are not the type of people who listen to our podcast but <laughs> <laughs> but they may be but maybe if you're listening if you're listening and like a woman tells you that she's getting phone calls that are scaring her or if a woman tells you that her daughter didn't come home and that that's not like her or a woman tells you that her friend has disappeared and that's not like her right go ahead and believe that woman yeah let's how about we do it an i don't know maybe an investigation on to yeah why they are saying the things that they're saying right like a a thorough real serious investigation before the bodies start piling up so gays and ghouls tune in next friday night you'll be in for a fright but until then sleep tight